everyone, and welcome to David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. I'm David, and with me, as always, is... Jeff! How are you doing, Jeff? I'm wonderful. How are you today? I'm doing great. Another good episode of Survivor. It wasn't that predictable. Um, I I think that you saw that Katie was very well could be voted out since the very beginning of the episode. However, that final tribal, the tribal council that they had with, uh, I honestly didn't know if Penner was going to get voted out or if it was Katie. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, there were kind of like four main possibilities that could happen at that tribal council. And at one point during the tribal council, I went through all four in my head. Like they, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. It was great. Yeah. And uh, a very, very unusual uh, reward challenge that will... Oh, yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. I loved it. We can talk about that a little bit in the historical analysis more, but yeah, it was just fascinating to see. Yeah, I agree. A little bittersweet, because we didn't get to see the challenge play out, but... Right. Although... that challenge wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, if it was just us watching them stand there... That wasn't that entertaining of a challenge to begin with. <laughs> but yeah, all in all, I think another great episode. This has been a really good season of Survivor. I yeah, couldn't agree more. Excited for the uh, the merge next week, which isn't a spoiler. It was in the promos. If you see the promos for this upcoming week, like two seconds into the promo, they have the big word merge uh, flash on the screen and right <laughs> show so all the people together. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is going to be a very, un, I'm hoping for a very unpredictable post-merge. You never know what's going to happen, and I think this is finally the season that could deliver that. Couldn't agree more. Well, uh, we have an interview with the one and only Terry Dietz uh, coming up in just a little bit. Uh, I, unfortunately, was unable to uh, be a part of that interview, but Jeff was interviewed him along with our uh, good friend Clayton Spivey. Um, so together they took on Terry, asked him everything about Survivor Philippines and, uh, and of course his season Survivor Panama. But, uh, before we get to that, we have a couple things first. So let's start with our, uh, confessional count. Right. Well, last week, David, you chose Malcolm as the person to get the most confessionals, whereas I chose Jeff Kent. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but Malcolm didn't have a single confessional First right. episode since the season premiere that he didn't have a confessional. Right. Uh, and Jeff Kent had five. So that means that I get the point for the most confessionals. However, on the least confessionals, you chose – excuse me, I chose Carter, whereas you went with the risky choice of Scoopin, and I, in fact, lost that because Carter had four confessionals, whereas Scoopin only had zero. So that means that we each get a point this week. Brings the total up to three, David, five, Jeff. Anyone's game still at this point. Right. We still got a huge post-merge to play out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, be interesting to, to see the post-merge play out, and hopefully I can uh, catch up here. <laughs> so, uh, do you want to pick first for who gets the most confessionals? Who gets the most confessionals? Although he got very little this week, I'm... I'm assuming with the merge, uh, Malcolm's going to be at the center of controlling things. So I'm going to pick Malcolm again. Interesting. I have I have a couple thoughts about this. Uh, part of me wants to go with the really risky pick and pick Mike Scoobin because he looks like he might be kind of an integral part of this. 
And the other part of me wants to stick with Jeff Kent, who's delivered a solid number every week. But uh, you know what? Go big or go home. I'm going with Mike Scoopin. All right, there you go. Is the uh, dragon going to awake? Right, right. We saw his fury in episode one, but haven't since. Yeah. Um, on the least confessionals, since I get to pick first, I am going. It's it's a it's a tough choice, but I'm gonna say artists. Oh, you stole mine. Um, yeah, I think uh, artists is a solid pick. He hasn't had very many the entire game, and I don't think he's gonna be a big power player at the merge. So that's a, a really good choice. Now I'm have to think. I don't like trying to make you think. I know it hurts your brain. Yeah, I think I I think I have to go Carter. I just think he's the he's the other one that is going to have not. <laughs> he's not going to try to pull any power moves at the merge. You know, I think he's just a a blind follower and whatever I Jeff Kent's going to do. I think that's a solid pick. So. I'm stealing your pick of Carter. Hopefully he won't have four again next time. But uh, I honestly, at this point, I can see everyone having confessionals. Right. No, I agree. There's not a Katie anymore. Carter has woken up. And like we said, Michael Scoopin is just a risky risky move. Although, uh, you know, he hasn't had that many so far. I mean, he he can definitely pull it out when, when they want to. It'll be a close game this week, I think. All right, well, let's move on to our historical analysis of Survivor. Uh, A lot of interesting things happened uh, this past episode. Uh, You got anything? Well, to follow up, last week we talked about uh, how many people had gone this long without ever going to Tribal Council. And uh, the only person who had made that number of episodes, five episodes, was Candace Woodcock from Survivor Cook Islands because she had been exiled, but uh, she went to Tribal Council in Episode 6, so that means that Tandang is officially the six people, well, Tandang minus Malcolm, are the six people who have gone the longest without going to Tribal Council. And also, they are the first tribe ever in Survivor history to make it to the merge without going to Tribal Council. Even the the tribes that never lost an immunity challenge, such as um, Karor and uh, what's the one in Fiji? Moto. Moto, yeah. Both of them had circumstances. In Palau, there was a double tribal council that they couldn't do anything about. And in, uh, in Fiji, they gave up their immunity to keep their luxury and ended up going to tribal council. So both, both times, they still went to tribal council. So this is the first time tribe ever to actually make it to the merge without voting anyone out yeah it's uh interesting just because they've kind of been you know every week they give a little bit more into the inner workings of tandang but we haven't seen that play out yet yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens it'll be very interesting uh another historical thing michael scoopin we just talked about him in our confessionals he has only had confessionals in one episode, and that was the premiere. Um, in all the other five, he has not had a single confessional. And this puts him in a very exclusive club um, <laughs> that only two other people have had who have only been have given confessionals in one pre-merge episode, and that was Whitney and Purple Kelly. So I don't know if this is the greatest club to join, but... <laughs> 
Michael Scoopin has joined it. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty exclusive group. <laughs> yeah. And uh, shout out to Russ Bartlett for uh, coming up with that fact and, and sharing it. So I can't take credit for it. Sure you can. <laughs> I won't take credit for it then. <laughs> okay, that's different. Yeah. But, so uh, what about, what about the, uh, to continue the historical analysis, what did you think about the trade? It's kind of a first, something we've never really seen on Survivor. Yeah. Well, if we go back to the history of trading rice, this goes all the way back to Michael Scoopin's first season, uh, Australia, where they were <laughs> ran out of rice and they ended up trading their tarps for rice. But this is the first time we ever had a challenge that ended because a team conceded, basically, or had a, a, tra- a trade. So I found it, yeah, very interesting and fascinating to see. I mean, we've only really ever seen one player versus player trade before, and that was um, Yao Man and Dreams. And obviously, that didn't end well. Uh, <laughs> Yao Man, but but the challenge finished, and he gave right. he like traded the reward afterwards. Whereas this one, the one tribe just will concede. You can get the reward if you give us something else. You know, right? I, I just they were they had been out there for an hour just doing nothing. I think they were just so tired that both tribes were willing to give up. I think uh, Michael Scoopin was just getting very sore. <laughs> You'd have to be. You're, you haven't eaten. Well, I'm, I'm saying from his specific circumstance with Penner, uh, right underneath him. That too. That's... <laughs> it was just sort of a very awkward grab there. <laughs> right. So who do you think came out better on the side of the trade? I've been hearing this go back and forth on the the internet the whole time. Obviously, before I knew it was a merge this upcoming week, I would say that Tandang ended up winning on that one just because Calabell lost the next immunity challenge. Had they won it, I would have said it would have been an advantage to them because it maybe gave them momentum and, and livened their spirits and everything. But since... They had their sandwiches and their letters, but then they ended up losing again. I can't say it was that big of a benefit to them. Right. I think on face it was a better trade for Tandang. But then when you saw how much rice they really got, it was a pretty meager amount. Well, so I'll, just, I, I'll just say this. I don't think either tribe really got that much, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right. You're trading for sandwiches or rice, right? Like. And now, and now the tribes are merging the very next episode, so it's not like Calabo's going to be without rice for <laughs> that long. Right. Well, do you think they're going to give them more rice, or do you think they're going to have to subsist on fish or whatever they can catch? I think they'll give them more rice. Um, yeah. One, because they the, the survivor isn't about the survival anymore. Like, in Season 2, it was fascinating to see them run out of rice and learn how to ration it, and then they had to make this deal with Jeff Probst. I just don't think the Survivor producers and people find that as fascinating anymore, so they'll just give them rice so then they can focus on the strategy and whatnot. Right. I agree. I also think uh, it's possible, maybe, maybe not, that they may use the present presentation of new rice to uh, force a new idol in the game. We've often seen... I mean, if they're going to a new beach, we've often seen them give... You know, place a new idol at the merge. Yeah, I I, I doubt that's going to happen, though, because there's already 
three in play, and this is the most we've ever seen in play at once. And I just highly doubt that they'll add a fourth one in until at least one of them goes away. Okay, I'll buy that. I was just thinking if, you know, because that's where they came from was the, the top of the rice bit. Also, that would make it obvious for uh, the three people who yeah. have the title. Exactly, and then one of them would just have two, so. Alpha was surprisingly quiet in this episode after being such a big character the first few weeks. Yeah, and I think the problem was, obviously, they, they won the challenge, so we didn't need to see that much strategic from them, and... Um, it was just basically let's bash on scoop in episode, so I don't think he really partook in the bashing at all, so they didn't really show him that much. Right. Well, I think Malcolm's strategy also changed. Now he's the, you know, I'm just going to sit back and let them self-destruct, you know, and, and fight my way to the merge so I can get back with Denise type of, that, that's his strategy right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally. Well, I had one more uh, historical analysis. I think I mentioned to the, this to you earlier in the, the week, but I have sort of saw a big comparison be, with the Calabal tribe and uh, Survivor Nicaragua. And I really thought this episode sort of was showing Carter to be like the poor man's Fabio. The very, very poor man's Fabio, in my opinion. <laughs> But just sort of this uh, not very bright guy who just is going to follow people for whatever and not really make any strategic decisions or have any power in in and of himself. And I thought that uh, in this case, Jeff Kent was sort of like Sash from Nicaragua who was really telling him what to do. But then you also had Penner who was like Marty who was trying to influence him a little bit but ultimately he doesn't really have an impact on him. And uh, I could give the other two <laughs> something, but I <laughs> those ones are more of a stretch. In parentheses, uh, Katie would be sort of like uh, Kelly B. And uh, Denise would be sort of like Jane, who... Oh, I was thinking Holly for Denise. But well, could... Holly was on the other tribe. So Denise would be like Jane where she came in and made alliances with the major the uh, the controlling okay, people, you. but you know, was was still not at the center of the alliance so so to speak. Right. That makes sense. I'll agree with you uh you know, tentatively. Yeah. I didn't see that. I, I I can see it after some explanation, but I didn't see that right away. Yeah. It's uh it's it's not like I, I don't think the producers were intending for that. I just sort of see a connection there. I'm not it's not super strong. I'm not saying that this means something. This is important. But Well I think I think you've just proven that Carter's the winner. <laughs> oh, I hope not. Uh this season is drastically different from Nicaragua though. <laughs> uh in almost every way. Yeah. I would think Penner much better or uh I'm sorry. Jeff Kent, much better than Sash. <laughs> uh, yes. Penner... Bob, much better than Carter. Yeah, Penner is very good, uh, as was Marty. So I, I, I think they're both very good people. But uh, And I, I think the other tribe is a lot different than <laughs> the other Nicaragua tribe. So I think the, the comparison ends right there. So I don't think... Please do not let Carter win. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's actually interesting that you say that because there's a website. It used to be a spoiler website, but they don't do spoilers anymore. 
uh, called True Dork Times, and they have kind of an equation that tries to figure out who's doing the best so far. It includes challenges, voting. Yeah. Um, yep. It's called the survival average. It's it's a kind of a complicated equation, but every week they put people in order. And right now in the game, Carter does have the highest survival average. Really? Even though they've been to tribal council this many times? Yeah, but he hasn't received any votes, and he's voted for the person. You also have to remember, Tandang, the entirety of the six of Tandang, don't have a survival average right now, because uh, you have okay. to have a, a vote. Or at okay. least it has to have been a vote in order for you to have a score. Well, there you go. Okay. I was thinking that they would be higher just for with their immunity wins, and that none of them have votes either, but I guess if they're not being averaged right now then right then that makes sense yeah carter's on top then jeff and then jonathan and then malcolm and denise below those two so just an interesting little tidbit but theoretically right now you could put everyone and tandang higher than them yes for challenge <laughs> for the challenge wins absolutely well and even votes against i mean they don't have any either very true very true. So, I mean, obviously they haven't been to tribal council, so they don't have, like, the voting for the person who got out, you know, statistic or anything. But, I don't know. I, I don't think Carter is the number one choice right now. I think he, he's the guy to, he's, it's his game to lose. Really? I'm just, no, I'm joking. Okay. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> who's, whose game, in your opinion, is it to lose? I don't know if there is a person. I am, you know, Jeff Kent has done a really good job controlling his tribe, but the problem is his tribe's down to four, and Denise isn't. I don't think Denise is fully a part of that tribe, and she'll flip given the opportunity. Um, so that leaves him with three. So obviously, it's not their game to lose. Any of those three, I think. Um, and then you have the people of Tandang, but they're so fractured and divided. And there's so many people left in the game that anyone could make an alliance at this point and and shake things up. So I don't know. If I had to pick someone at this point, I would pick Malcolm. Malcolm? I would have picked Jeff Kent. I think he's uh, smart and persuasive enough that he's able going to be able to create an alliance with whoever he needs to. Now, granted, I don't know if anyone on the other tribe has recognized him. But if they haven't... I would give him a pretty good shot at making just kind of making the necessary alliances, almost kind of the as long as it ain't me, but in a more aggressive way. I don't know. I I think that he can be perceived as a big threat, and he doesn't have an idol. So if everyone else is going against the three of them, so to speak, um, and they were to split votes, Penner would be safe and Kent would be gone. Yes, but your strategy presumes that you're going to get Abby, Maria, and RC to work together. Very true, and I'm I'm just saying if if they're like if a lot of people came to the agreement of we need to get the biggest threats out. Obviously, yes, Abby Marie isn't going to be a threat. So RC, I think, is a, a rational enough player to say I don't need to go after her yet. Right, right. No, I would agree with that. Um, but you know, Abby Maria did really well in those two challenges. <laughs> I don't think she was a standout. Not at all. <laughs> and she was, to be fair, she was technically supposed to play in three, 
but they just quit the challenge before she was able to play it. Right. Yeah, that was... That was so... They were out there for an hour. I still can't believe that. I wouldn't have been able to stay that strong for an hour. Obviously, you don't have the will to win Survivor, Jeff. No, I would have made the rice deal and eaten all their rice. <laughs> I, I wouldn't... Honestly, if I was in it, I wouldn't even think of that. Like, my sole focus would be I need to win. I need to beat them. Right. No, I understand that, too. Not and, to... of course, Mike Scoopin was just thinking, ah, yes, I get more raw rice. <laughs> he said on Twitter that everyone was eating the the raw rice because they they couldn't, they didn't have fire to cook it because it was raining so much. So everyone had to eat it raw. But they just showed... Him and everything because it was bash on scooping time. It can't. That cannot be good for you. I don't. I don't see what's necessarily bad about it. I don't know. When birds eat rice, it's not good. <laughs> you comparing us to birds, Jeff? <laughs> I don't think it's like going to hurt them that bad. I don't think it's it's necessarily good for you, but I don't think it's like going to cause sickness or anything. But who knows? I, maybe we'll have to research this. Let's do it. <laughs> to the internet. Well, we just did some research about rice and eating it raw, just uh, just so we could tell you the facts and not be BSing stuff. But um, it is not, my conclusions were correct. It's not really unhealthy to eat raw rice. You're not going to get any sickness. The thing is, however, if you ate lots of raw rice, when then raw rice goes into your stomach, it expands as as it does when you're boiling it. Um, so if you filled your stomach with raw rice, it would then expand, filling your stomach with the potential of it bursting. But if you're just grabbing a handful of raw rice and eating it, it's not going to be that big of an issue. Yes. Uh, it also says that you will receive a bit more nutrition. So maybe Mike Scoopin is, uh, is actually a genius. <laughs> maybe he is. And don't all of his other tribemates look foolish now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, <laughs> we now know the the benefits and disadvantages of eating raw rice. And uh, for a hint to get the the nutrients without the expansion, if you soak it in water first, don't even you don't even have to boil it. Just get it wet. It will sort of expand. Before then, you put it in your mouth, and then you can eat as much as you want. See, David, this is why people listen to our podcast. It, it, they learn. It's an, it's an educational experience. Yeah, they do not listen at all because of Survivor, really. It's mainly oh, just wait. to hear facts about rice and um, and swallowing spider eggs when you're sleeping and all, all that kind of stuff. Right, all the, all the important things. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, should we, uh, should we get to the interview? Let's get to the interview. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here is Terry Dietz. Welcome back to David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. We are here with Terry Dietz from Survivor Panama. Terry, how are you doing today? Marvelous. And you guys? We're doing great. And uh, unfortunately, David was not able to join us for the interview portion of this podcast, but we have a recurring guest with us today to help do the interview, and that is Clayton Spivey. Clayton, how are you doing today? Uh, good. It, it seems like I'm coming on here more and more lately. Yeah, maybe we'll have to have a third host, right? Hey. <laughs> um, so, Terry, our first question is about Survivor, Panama, Exile Island. 
and they mean for a substantial portion of that season, you were kind of in the minority, uh, obviously, with your huge immunity run was kind of the big storyline of the last half of the season. Was it, um, like, emotionally and mentally hard as well as physically hard simply because you were in that status throughout the entire game? That's a good question. Um, you know, actually, after the show, Aris told me it was his goal to try to get me uh, kind of just out there all by myself on my own little island. Uh, even though I was interacting with them and feeding them on a daily basis, I was the one catching fish and making sure we had stuff to eat every day. But I kind of like doing that anyway, so that probably would have been the case. But one of the hardest parts was, was actually being alone, being ostracized by everybody else um, as much as I would try to become friends with them or interact with them there there wasn't much interaction and uh, a lot of smack talk by them on a daily basis so unfortunately with my edit all you heard was me smack talking back and, and maybe considered a little arrogant but uh, that all had to do with editing and I wasn't like that at all. So what was the hardest moment during that time where you were kind of alone? Was there any specific moment that was really difficult? Not, you know, not so much. I mean, I knew the game they were kind of playing and everything else, uh, and I knew I had to win every challenge in order to stay alive. Um, kind of the hardest part for me was trying to figure out how to give away that hidden immunity idol and get a majority on my side. I couldn't just give it to say Bruce and not have him bring along Danielle or uh, uh, one of the other people uh, or I would never have an immunity you know I never had a majority for me I had to have a majority if I was going to give that thing away yeah. uh, Jeff uh, can I ask a question yeah of course um, you were talking a second ago in your first question about uh, being a provider of this what do you think about the the change in the importance of being the provider in tribes, modern day survivor. It seems it seems like today that um, that the provider isn't as an important of a role as it used to be in your days. You know what? You, you, you can. I would venture to say that that seems to be uh, the trend lately. But after talking uh, to a few people and actually seeing the kind of deal that Penner just made in the Philippines, you know, he said, hey, listen, don't worry about it. I'll get you fish and this and that. You know, that might have just been a spot moment in the show, but they bought it and they took the deal. Um, I think there's, you know, like Malcolm. Malcolm was kept around, I think, because he was good in challenges and he could work around camp and things like that. People that are indispensable in camp, when you really think about it, they end up keeping them around. I mean, if somebody comes on there and is able to make fire out of bamboo, like the last show, you know, those people are normally kept around for a little while because else is going on. So was there a moment on your season, kind of during your immunity run, where you thought that you could see the see the finish line and that you thought you could win? Or was it were you just constantly paranoid? Up to this point, I thought I had made three mistakes that actually kept me from winning a million dollars. There, there was no way I was going to win that final challenge. Uh, when I first saw it, uh, because I surf a lot, or I used to surf a lot, I thought it was going to go pretty well for me, uh, and I'd be able to outlast those guys. But when I realized it was our weight that was making us sink, besides trying to balance on it, Boris and I were doomed to Danielle. And um, there isn't an instance where I could ever see myself beating Danielle, but there, there was two other mistakes I made prior to that 
one of them not giving Shane the hidden immunity idol prior to that vote. Uh, and another one, I lost uh, the, five, the number four immunity challenge to Aris by like one puzzle piece because I made basically what ended up being a 30-second mistake. And had I not made that 30-second mistake, I would have beaten him. And then we would have waltzed into the final, but I still would have been there with Danielle, but we would have been up against Sari and not Aris. And uh, there's no way Danielle would have taken Sari to the final. So, mm. like, I, I saw daylight, but uh, probably not as clear as I see in 2020 hindsight, you know. That's really interesting because that was a storyline that we never – that I don't really remember hearing that Aris would have gone home had had he lost that Final Four immunity. Yeah, I mean, he would have been gone. would have been Sari and I and uh, Danielle. And like I said, no way Danielle would have taken Sari to the final because they would have just given her the money right off. Right. She would have had a better chance with me. But, um, yeah, that, that that was a bummer. That definitely, but Danielle would have won that challenge in any case. It, it really wouldn't have mattered at that point. Well, uh, speaking about the, the Final Four, if, say, uh, Sari had won that Final Four tiebreaker, and it was you... Yes, yes. Um, it was you in, in the final three with them. Who would have you taken to the finals if well, you had won the final immunity? Right, right. I definitely would have taken Aris and I would have won. Aris? Okay. No, no one would have won with Sari. I mean, up to that point, she's the single mom. Uh, she lost 30 pounds to go on the show. I think she did a great job on the show communications-wise. I mean, uh, she ended up, you know, she ended up posed with me, but you know what? It was... That was her way to get to the million dollars, you know, uh, in, in a sense, as far as communication and everything else went. But she played her game, and she played it well, and, and they would have given her the money, you know. And uh, so in any case, it would have been Danielle winning the final thing, and she would have taken me to the final. Um, but I recently found out that Aris, um, had it been me, Aris, and Sari, and say he won that, that final final challenge, Arts would have taken Serena to the finals and basically given her the million dollars. Oh. Yeah, I just just found that out. So uh, hmm. you know you know, that's one of the mistakes that I, I don't have to worry about anymore. Yeah. That would have been a very smart <laughs> So uh kind of we've we've talked a little bit about your, your kind of end game, but to to rewind a bit um, your your season started out different than any other season has, where you were uh, divided by age and gender. There were four tribes of four. How did you guys deal with that? Because on your tribe, you had Shane, Bruce, and Dan, the astronaut. And so how did you guys deal with that? What would have happened if the four of you had gone to tribal council? What was your reaction to that whole twist? Shane probably would have gone home. Um Bruce, everybody kind of seated Bruce, the leadership, if he wanted that position. And Bruce was an outdoorsman, so he had no problem starting fire and all that. And we kind of tried to move Dan as the older guy into the, that situation as well. Uh, Dan had confided to me pretty early that he was an astronaut, so I had no problem, you know, seating leadership role to him. But um, I think the vote would have probably come down to Dan because um, Shane did not get along with uh, Bruce at the time. But Shane was going through some withdrawals. I mean, eight shots of espresso and three packs of cigarettes a day and going, going to cold turkey was not 
that's why it was the Shane show for the first three episodes, pretty much. Was he as crazy as the uh, editors would have liked to... Like, was he as crazy as he was portrayed on the show? Uh, yes. But <laughs> that, that's, not, that's not Shane. Shane uh, Powers is a different... He's a, a bit of a different kind of guy. Uh, but if you put anybody in that situation where you don't have any food and water and you're coming off eight shots of espresso and three packs of cigarettes a day, cold turkey. I mean, psychologically, he was out there. He was, he had no clue what was really going on. Hmm. Clayton, do you have a question? Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Um, seeing as how uh, you didn't win it in, what do you think was your biggest uh, deficiency in the game? And what does it take to win that you think you didn't have? Uh, maybe a little empathy. Uh, I probably would have come across a little softer, I think. But, you know, in any case, as, as soon as we merged, they wanted me off the show. So I really could have done pretty much anything I wanted to. As long as I had that immunity run, nobody would have mattered. Um, been, you know, one of the things my wife said was, don't embarrass the family. Now I'm an airline pilot, right? And I coach Little League teams and things like that. So people don't want to walk on the airplane and see some psycho survivor guy that's flying their airplane. Do <laughs> no. So, so I really, I really try to act mature and, and, and you know, act my age and, and then compete. Um, okay, so the thing that I missed the most, uh, I mentioned to you those two mistakes. And um, unfortunately, I took a couple of people for their word and uh, where I should have just been solely focused on what was going to get me into the final couple of events or tribals um, instead of just thinking, okay, you're going to win everything and that's going to be that. And uh, so, you know, it was probably, you know, a little bit of me and, and um, taking people for their word, I guess, maybe being a little too gullible. Hmm. So... One kind of big moment for you in the season earlier on was when you found the Hidden Immunity Idol. So what did it feel like finding it? And then kind of a follow-up question to that. Did you ever consider using it on Austin, Nick, or Sally? Finding it was pretty cool. And uh, and having – that was my first time on Island. I had the fourth clue. And uh, it just seemed pretty obvious to me having – you know, I'm not a huge outdoorsman, but having been outdoors enough to realize that uh, how to look at maps from being in the Navy and all that kind of stuff and having done some survival training, the clues seemed to me pretty easy. And, um, you know, finding it really wasn't that hard once I put all the clues together. It took me about 20 minutes, so it wasn't so bad. Um, as far as giving it to Nick or um, Sally or Austin – you know, once again, I, I didn't want to part with it unless I knew I was going to get a majority. So in my books, that meant bringing Bruce over. Bruce was the only one that was willing to talk about it, and he did at length with me a bunch of times. And then um, and then having him bring over one of the other girls. Um, now, I, I'm totally having a brain dump now. Um, the girl with the dreadlocks, the uh, redheaded girl on my show. Courtney. Courtney, yeah. Thank you very much, you guys. <laughs> Um, but Bruce didn't like Courtney, and so he was hesitant to include her, whereas he really got along with Danielle. 
And um, and unfortunately, Danielle kept talking to Suri, and Suri was doing the right thing for her game and keeping Danielle out of where I wanted to take her as far as the hidden beauty of the idol. So, I mean, I, I tried giving it away, but I w- it wasn't going to come for free. It was going to be for a majority for our side. And uh, I couldn't get that to happen, so... And I kept winning. So at that point, it kept getting less and less important for me to give the thing away. And it ended up saving me in the immunity for tribal council. Um, I would have used it if I had to, but the rules were different back then, too. I could have waited to see if I got a lot of votes before I pulled it out. Right. So I never play it up front. Do, um, do you think that that was a good change, that Survivor changed the rules, um, so that now you have to play it before the votes are read? I don't know. I, I think... You know, it's kind of, it's kind of a uh, it's it is kind of an ace in a hole, and if people don't know you have it or are not sure you have it, there's even more of a chance they're not going to vote for you. And or if they don't think you have it at all, it'll be a bigger blindside. So I kind of I kind of like the way it worked for me. Um, you've got to put your chips on the table a little bit more nowadays as far as having an idol. Um, I, I think you saw Russell use it a couple of times where, where he just laid it all out there. You know, and it, it was like, all right, I'm making the big gamble, I'm making the big play, and it ended up working for him. Um, whereas I never really had to use it. So, I don't know, two, two different styles, I guess. They didn't do it enough times under my rules to really see how, how else it could be used, I think. Right. They, they kind of immediately went to that other rules. Right. It was so, only two seasons where they had those rules, and then, I mean, Yule had it in the season 13, and he didn't even need to play it, right? Right. Um, so I guess we're, while we're on the subject of rule changes, I uh, I feel like I know what the answer to this question is going to be, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you prefer the final three or the final two? We kind of knew what the rules were going into our finals, so, I mean, you know, that was the expectation. Uh, when they went to the three, I, you know, I didn't look back and go, oh, my gosh, had they done it for me, I would have won. You know, I, you can't look back at stuff like that because things change. On Survivor, they change at least something all the time. And, um, you know, it, it keeps, the, like, even, you know, folks like you that are really in tune to everything that goes on in Survivor, I mean, if you went on the show and you had an expectation and it wasn't met, you know, it throws you for a loop. So they do a good job at mixing things up because they're, you know, it's not such a new show anymore. What, 25 seasons now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, they, they keep it fresh. And I think the actual three people in the final works out better. I mean, sometimes there's always somebody there that's a coattail that really doesn't belong there. But for whatever they're there, you know, and uh, – but you never know. A vote could be thrown their way, and it could flip the whole thing. So, would you have won in a final three with uh, Danielle and Aris? I believe I did. Well, no, they said uh, my wife's in the background. They said between Aris and I, I would have won, um, and I know I would have won against Danielle. Oh. So, um, uh, basically, it, you know, if it was a three thing, I think I, I think I would have, but. Again, you know, I don't, I don't sit back and look at that and go, wow, that was that. Uh-huh. So the expectation in our show. Yeah. Me too. Like I told Jeff on the way out, it was kind of like, uh, you know, uh, I think for a 46-year-old guy, I did pretty damn well, and I'm not going to sit here and cry <laughs> and get voted out. 
you know, there's more important things in life, and I've had my life on the line too many times, you know, to worry about the game of Survivor. Yeah. This question is a little bit out of left field, but I don't know how aware you are of this, but at the time during the Wambulance comment, did you think, like, hardcore Survivor fans would still be using that as a reference today? <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. That, that's like an ESPN top 10 uh, saying and all that stuff. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, that that was a really spirited challenge. And, <laughs> uh, in fact, when I look back on it, um, you know, I still don't know if Jeff was right with the rules and, and you could go back for multiple looks at the different things. I thought you always had to go back to home base before you went back to somewhere else. And when I started wanking about the rules, that's when ours came up and said, oh, well, Jeff, the way of your You know, Ars was pretty good about that. You know, he, he was good at, at, at trying to get under my skin a little bit and the smack talk. And, and you know, you got to look at the, the whole situation. Uh, you know, he had a little up on me at that point, and it was the first time he had an up on me. And uh, he was uh, pretty excited about it. And, uh, you know, he made that comment. That, that's all good. You look back on it, and, you know what? It's all smack talk, and uh, you know it worked out for him. But the ambulance thing, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> were, were you? Uh, was the rivalry between you and uh, Otis as big as it was edited on TV? Yeah, it was pretty big. And, and more for him. In a lot of these challenges, uh, as you went on for the immunity thing later on, it wasn't necessarily a competition between you and him. It was it was almost like golf. Yeah, you're playing against him, but the challenge in itself was a challenge for you to complete in a faster time than somebody else. And uh, you guys hear, hear probes talk, talking off all the time. He's really doing it in his last Philippines, like, oh, Katie hasn't done anything in this challenge. You know, it's like, Jeff, shut the hell up. And, and, and today, I'm crushing these guys, and you're you're making it like it's close. And it's, I'm like, he's saying this stuff, and I even called him out on it. I'm looking over at Aris and Shane and Sari, and I'm looking, I'm like, their, their thing is, their flag is not even off the peg, and mine's halfway up the chute already. It's like, what are you trying to do? You know, I was like, yeah. just, just either either call the play or whatever. But you know, you, you know, and I I would try not to listen to him because I was focusing on what I was trying to do, which was win the challenge. And it's like a golf match. It's like I really don't care what somebody else is doing. If if I don't make this shot, I don't make the shot. So it's, it, I don't care if somebody else what they have to do. And uh, he, he's he's really starting to annoy me with the way he's doing it here. Uh -huh. You know, he's he's. He's putting thoughts in people's mind about how bad somebody's performing or not performing when, you know, it just, yeah, it, they'll get voted up for it or, um, you know, create some animosity where there really wasn't any animosity had you not opened his pie hole. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I hear that nowadays they actually go back and voice over some of the criticisms, you know, based on who leaves on the episode to make it seem more plausible as to why they left. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and that's, to me, is not, I don't know. Uh, they're making a TV show, and uh -huh. I've heard the same thing, guys, about over the years. Uh, it, it's getting a little bit more on the production side versus uh, dealing with what they're dealing with and as he sees it. I mean, if you're a referee and you don't see it, well, then you don't see it. 
but you don't go back and review videotape and then throw in a couple of, of voice calls to make you or your show look better. Um, I think I talked to a couple of guys, people, and obviously I think the Philippines, some of these tribes are really starving. And you know what? That's all part of the game. You need to. And you know, we talk, you know, Penner were talking about. Um, it just seems like it's not affecting me as much as it's affecting um, some of the other kids on the show. Well, the kids on the show have no body fat. Me and him are 46 years, you know, we're both 50 year olds now. And, and you know what? As good a shape as I can get in, I still got about 10 pounds of back bacon that I can live off of. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have any body fat. It's going to be difficult, more difficult for them, you know, on a show like that. So. so- you, you talked a little bit about your rivalry with Aris and how it was real and, and that. So uh, what motivated you to vote for him to win the million dollars? Was it revenge against Danielle? Did you just think he played a better no, game? No, no, no. Aris was, was the most proficient survival-wise, camp-wise, challenge-wise, uh, game-wise, um, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, he, he deserved the money. There was, there was no question about the money. You know, anybody who voted for Danielle was just like, I'm, I'm throwing her a vote to be nice. But Danielle was pretty much worthless. She was a Division One uh, college athlete that came on the show thinking she was all that in a bag of chips. And, and, and she's a nice girl, don't get me wrong. But, you know, if you're going to talk the smack and you're going to, you know, then, you know, talk the talk, you're going to walk the walk. And she was pretty much useless in everything but that best now. Yeah. Well, I, I actually I actually agree with you. Like one of the things the first time I watched Survivor Panama when it was airing, I was very upset that Aris won. Uh but after I went back and watched it again, um I realized that the one thing that he he I thought he did better than anyone I've really ever seen is he was able to keep the dysfunctional alliance together. Like the alliance that he had was probably one of the most dysfunctional alliances in Survivor history. I mean, you had Courtney, Danielle, Sari, Brute, like, just these people were, who were always screaming at each other, not to mention Shane. And I thought he, more than any other Survivor, kept them together better than maybe I've ever seen. Well, you know, I, I, think, you're, I think you're right in, in some ways, and a lot of it fell on Shane as well. Shane, okay. uh, you know, he, he was the kind of the coach... Aris was, was the empathizer, and between them both, utilizing two different types of leadership motivations, uh, kept that draft together. And I think it all started with Shane right from the start, as far as the you know the coach type mentality. Uh, and, and you know, he, up to that point, he was still coaching his kid, playing pop corner football and everything. So Shane, Shane's first in all that kind of stuff. And, and I think as a cheerleader slash coach, uh, he was on top right right from the beginning as far as keeping the tribe separated and no post-merge alliances uh, ever showing. And then at the end, you know, Aris sympathized really well with everybody else. And, and um, there was there was a little miscommunication between Aris and Shane and, and Sari and, and Danielle and Courtney. And, and, and there were some seeds sown by a couple of the women, I think, in the show that ended up breaking up Shane and Aris. And, um, and they weren't true, uh, but they were part of the girls' game in order to, you know, stir up that whole alliance. Because in the long run, it, it came down to, um, remember the night that they voted out uh, um, Austin, so or Sally. So it's just me and, and the Kasaya Six. And, uh, I, you know, Courtney looks across the fire and goes, Terry, are you feeling okay? It's like, you know what, I'm a little bummed out. 
I got no more. I have no more of my tribe members here. And uh, you know what? I'm feeling a little bit. Better. And uh, you know what? I'm gonna go to bed. But before I go to bed, I just want to say this. I'm gonna stick around for a while here. And now I'm gonna get the chance to watch you guys vote each other out. You guys have a good night. I'll see you later. And I walked off to sleep, and I can see those guys yakking around the fire, going. Oh my God, he's right. This guy's kicking our butt in challenges, and now we got to vote each other off. So it was, <laughs> it was kind of fun. Well, we're gonna. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Clayton. Uh, I think this is a good point to segue into the uh, Philippines talk. Um, the big deal last night, you know, all of the previews we were talking about it, um, is the rice scandal. Apparently, rice is a big deal on Survivor. We have some controversy, the rice wars, this time it's rice meal. Uh, which tribe, Tanbang or Kalaba, came out better on the rice deal, you think? Uh, you know what, without knowing, I know that Penner's got some fishing gear, I don't know what the other group has. Um, they didn't get as much rice as they thought they were going to have. So, um, I don't know, to me, you know, you guys know me, I would not have given up for anything or made a deal with anybody. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to, I've already surmised how I would have won that challenge, but that's not here or there. Artis uh, is not very happy about it, but, uh, you know, I think that group made up well. They uh, they got to go to the challenge, and that was a big uh, happy ending for them. It didn't work out in the end as far as winning that last challenge, but, uh, um, yeah, that was kind of a bummer. But they got to eat food and all that kind of stuff, and as far as the rice, I mean, he's got fishing here. You go out and fish. I mean, it's the same thing once. Those stingrays are out there all the time. The fish are out there all the time. And they got letters from home. Yeah, and they got letters from home. Uh, but they still lost the last, you know, the next the next challenge. But, you know, that's the way it goes. They, their strategy was off. I mean, Jeff can't catch anything. That other little kid on there should have attacked Malcolm right off the start. Just take him out of the game. Yeah, Carter. Take him out of the game. Carter, just tackle Malcolm. I call him Red Carter, like Purple Kelly from a couple seasons ago. He's Red Carter. It's funny because I know Red Carter Red. <laughs> um, so kind of fast forwarding to the end of the episode, do you think that Jeff and Carter made the right decision? Should they have tried to get rid of Jonathan Penner or at least flush out his idol? Or do you think that they were right with trying to get rid of Katie? Here's the whole thing about returning players. Um, they're good up to a certain point. Um, they're not very happy with Jonathan's deal and all that kind of stuff. Um, and Kent is right about, you know, and I like Jonathan. He's a friend of mine. I, I call him on the phone every now and then. Um, and, uh, you know, he wanted to get him out. For some reason, Carter didn't. And, uh you know, they should have realized that they should have got, what was it, uh, Denise, they should have got her on board with that as well. And unfortunately, they didn't do it. And now they'll find out that Kent, Kent voted for him or not. And, you know, he may work his way out of it and say, hey, it was a throwaway vote because I told Katie I would never vote her. I mean, that was the first mind thing that came to my mind. is like, I promised Katie I'd never vote her out. So I knew nobody would vote for you, so I threw the vote at you. I don't know if he's going to bite on that excuse or not, but... You know, we'll see how it goes. I think at the end of the at the end of the of the episode, I saw that there was a big boat offshore. So is it mer are they merging anyway? Next episode? Uh, I I I don't read spoilers, so I don't know. But I wouldn't I be surprised. I don't either, but I think it, I I thought 
I saw in the, in the previews where yeah. they were scrambling and running around the beach because there was a big boat off shore, like the boat that they all came in on initially. So I, I think I think it's a merge. That's what I was thinking the same thing, but I heard I've heard a couple people talk about it and don't normally they really advertise the merge, at least, you know, say drop your buffs or something along that lines in the previews to get people excited for a merge, or are they just throwing us for a loop? I don't know. I saw I saw that boat out there. I'm I'm sticking with my guns. And again, you know, hey, don't expect stuff from Survivor. You start getting your expectations up and you know, they they'll change it up on you. I think it's a good time to merge anyway, at least entertainment wise. I do I do too. There's some personalities that are gonna that little Brazilian uh girl oh. out there, she's got yeah. something to say about everything. And uh I, I think uh R C or whatever was pretty smart to say, Look, I'm just gonna sit back and let her open her mouth and you know, things will explode and she'll end up pissing somebody off and you know what, she we haven't seen her in the challenges yet, so we really don't have an idea. <laughs> right. Two um, challenges she's participated in. Yeah, so we don't know how smart she is to be challenges or physical or any of that. So, I don't know. She might be really good. So, hopefully I, we'll find out soon. I, I don't think her mother ever taught her, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> she's not from the Midwest, you guys. Like, oh, yeah. For sure. yeah um. So, speaking of that tribe, if uh, assuming that they don't merge... Uh, who do you think would go home if they were to go to tribal council? Is that Panthers or the other the Scoopins tribe? The yellow, the Scoopins tribe, the yellow tribe. Uh, won't be Malcolm. It, it, it depends on our recipient can get the other guys together to, to vote Scoopin off. But uh, I'm gonna say that the uh, the little Brazilian girl goes if, if that's the case. But I think they're gonna merge, and then uh, mm-hmm. you know then it's just gonna be individual stuff anyway. So. Yeah, I think it's uh, no matter what happens, either they go to tribal or they merge, they're gonna self-destruct. So it's 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 an accident waiting to happen, no matter what. Yeah, I agree with that. It was actually interesting because David and I, one of our kind of segments on the show, always is the historical analysis. We try to compare what's going on to one of the twenty-four previous seasons. And last week we said we went through the list of people who had been through 13 days without going to tribal council, and the only person was Candace in Survivor Cook Islands because she had been exiled during one of the tribal councils, so she didn't go until, I think, day 16 or 17. But now the the six people who are originally on Tandang ha- are, have gone the longest anyone has ever gone without going to tribal council, both in number of episodes and in number of days. So... It'll be interesting to see just – they have so much to talk about, and Jeff hasn't even seen them once. So, Right, right. You know, yeah. Uh, I think you'll see them merge, and they'll all go. And You know, I mean, it's pretty cool. The first time you show up at Tribal Council, there's actually a camera. You know, so if there's eight people at Tribal Council, there's eight cameras just on every contestant. And uh, oh, you know, camera, a, a camera on each contestant. So – you know, if you're making a funny face or something like that, that could have been a face you made travels before, but they edited to, to come back in, um, you know, as far as production and all that kind of stuff. But it's pretty interesting. And, and if you're going there with a, uh, a chance of going home, I mean, I only went there one time with a chance of going home, only one time. 
and it was so far into the game, I was like, well, if I go, I, you know, I didn't have any power, so it was kind of like, well, it's not in my hands anyway. But, I mean, people that go there and get blindsided and stuff like that, I mean, they just lost a million dollars, and it's like, holy crap, what just hit me? And it, it tends to make people a little bit nervous. Uh, some people speak very well at tribal council. Other people, you know, full-on college graduates, they can't put a sentence together. It, you know, they put stupid stuff. Like, what do you do? So what are you sitting around the island for thinking about? You ought to be thinking about what you say to Jeff when you get the chance. It's it's like they're back in Santa Monica getting interviewed again, you know, and they're all frozen or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, if the merge were to come next episode, like you think it is going to, who's going to be able to kind of be in that power position and just go to the end, kind of maybe like Kim or Rob did in their seasons? Well, it won't be any of the, uh, uh, the, the Tandang and Scoopins tribe will, they'll band together and get rid of everybody else, uh, unless they see, unless they hate each other so much, they'll end up being, that has been, you know, lately a, a lot of what's been going on. Um, you know, you, you'll see those guys band together and you know, they'll get rid of, you know, the other, the other tribe. And, you know, they're, they're not that dysfunctional that they hate each other enough to go, okay, four easy marks. They're gone. They either got to keep winning or they're gone. And, uh, you know, in my case, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of luck involved with it. I wasn't the one who was going. But, uh, you know, uh, Pedro wants to stick around. He's got to win a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, uh, speaking of challenge, was this is a question I had. Who do you think's most likely to pull a Terry? Malcolm. Malcolm. Okay. I, see, I, th- I thought I knew the answer to that one. You know, Mal- Malcolm, I think, has got, uh, some, some discipline in his mind. He's a lot like Aris. Um, and, uh, unless somebody else can really pull things out athletically or mentally, uh, I don't see anybody beat him in, in a lot of the challenges, either in water or on the land, um, unless they get really lucky. So who do you think has the kind of triple threat, the ability to win, has everything you could possibly want in a survivor player? I think Malcolm is more like Ozzy, where he's a likable character. He's got the numbers right now, so he'll be protected the first couple tribal councils. And uh, he's, you think he's gullible? Yeah, well, Trish thinks he's gullible, but uh, anyway, uh, you know, he's a likable guy. People like him, they like what he brings to their tribe, so I think at least for the first couple tribals, he'll be fine. And, and if he happens to win the first couple tribals, he'll still be, you know, the immunities, he'll still be fine. And then in the long run, it's who we can make a couple of alliances with. I think when he gets back together with Denise, those two will, will hook back up in an alliance. And, you know, maybe they'll, uh, maybe they'll grab Penner or maybe they'll grab a couple of other people. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, over the last couple of seasons, we sort of had what I like to call stunt casting with the, uh, celeb, semi-celebrity celebrities thing. Um, what do you think about Jeff Kent and how he's played? Specifically, oh, he's done okay. I felt bad for him when he got hurt. You know, getting hurt the first day stinks. I mean, you know, uh, put it this way: Jeff Kent is a, a professional ball player. He doesn't know the word quit, and the mentally he's tough enough. You never see him whining. You never see him saying I'm hungry. You never see him doing anything like that. Um, 
Plus, uh, you know, you can say what you want, but a lot of these celebrities and or like somebody like Jeff Kent has been through a lot, not only athletically, but mentally and physically, uh, to make something like this happen. Uh, can he go a long way? Yeah, if he gets to merge and, and you know, we'll see where it goes from there, but kind of, he might have put himself in a bad position right now um, with that whole Penner vote. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you got to realize you know, a lot of the old, you know, people like me that are, and Jesse Jeff Kent, that are very, that are, that are athletic and have had, you know, or, you know, 40 years old plus and stuff like that. We've been through a lot of things in our life that, that you guys and, and kids right out of college have not. You know, you get up in the morning, the crap hits the fan, you still got to get the kids off to school, you got to dog off at the vet, you still work, you know, and, and do the, the standard things that we adults do all the time. And the younger kids just don't have those experiences. So when the crap hits the fan on Survivor, you saw a lot of, you know, Division One NCAA athletes not do so well. Yeah. They couldn't handle the starvation. They didn't have the extra five pounds of back bacon like us forty year olds had. <laughs> uh, you know, just they they couldn't put it together. And then it starts to piss them off when the older people start winning. And so. Just, Speaking of the stunt casting, how would you have responded strategically if you had recognized a celebrity on your or a, a semi celebrity on your season? Would you have tried to keep them, or how would you have done that? It, it all depends. It all depends because all right. So now look at it this way: uh, uh, oh, Jimmy Johnson and and, uh, and and you know the girl that is a lady that's on there from what is it uh, Full House and you know Jeff Kent and everything else. You guys got to realize the way you look at some of us survivors is the same way they look at us. So Jeff Kent sees Terry Deets um, or, you know, Morris Boskowskis and goes, oh, my God, D1 ball player in college. He played baseball. He played basketball. And he did really good on Survivor. I want to go on Survivor and be like that, you know, an athletic person, somebody in the challenges. And uh, I'm going to bring my mental game and all this kind of stuff. So, like, for somebody like me that is, say, back on the show as a returnee, and I see Jeff Kent there, it's, it's you're at, like, an equal level. Like, I look at Jeff and go, oh, my God, a professional baseball player. And he looks at me like, oh, my God, you're the reason I came out in Survivor because I wanted to compete like you did. So, at that point, then it's, like, it's personality-wise, I think. It's kind of, like, you know, is he full of himself? Is he not full of himself? Am I a jerk? You know, and maybe he doesn't like me. Um, you know, you got to build those relationships and see where it takes you. Obviously, in the end, you try to you try to say to him like, "Look, all right, let's you and me fight this out in the end." But in the meantime, we got to help each other get to the end. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure there's there would be packs like that made. You, know, you never know. But speaking of you uh, playing again, is 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 that ever going to happen? Uh, I got asked for one time, and then I got cut from the cast. Uh, day before, um, it was fans versus faves. And, uh, did, you, did you say the day before? No, well, actually, I was uh, on, on stand. I was two weeks prior. They said no. I went through all the interviews. I went back at the Santa Monica all that stuff. But um, two weeks before, I was given the choice to be a standby or or to just say no. 
and I said I'd be a standby. And I was coming off a trip, coming back from Europe, and I was on uh, a bridge coming out of New York City, and uh, I got the call uh, days before they left for Samoa that I was not going. And uh, I was ready to go. And uh, that was kind of weird. Because um, the first time I went on Survivor, it just seems, everything seems so easy. And then all of a sudden, now I'm getting cut from the team. I'm like, wait a minute, what, <laughs> what happened here? What, what, what went on? But, um, you know, then they cast people to create antagonism. Um, they cast, you know, basically actors against one another. And um, this is another, they saw other people interacting with other people that were on the show uh, better than they, they forecasted that. And uh, I got cut from the cast. And that was it. That was five years ago. I haven't heard from them since. Hmm. Would you go back on if they asked you? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'll I'll put it this way. Unless it was in the middle of my kids' pop water football team. We're in the playoffs this weekend. And if I'm coaching, I'm not leaving my team. Hmm. So, you know, oh, hey, so let me ask you guys a question. So, uh, Probst's top ship wasn't doing so hot. Um, A, how long is that? Do you think that'll last? And B, do you think they'll do 90 days in some other time? Well, actually, I have actually been in the audience twice for that. Um, and what I think, I think the first the first couple episodes, what they tried to do, it, that was the whole point of the show, is supposed to be normal people doing the show. But I think because of the uh, failing ratings, uh, they've started to turn to all celebrities, if you've seen lately. It's all the celebrities doing the show. So I think they're really grasping at straws way too soon. So I don't think it's a good a good sign. So uh, you know, one of the things that disappointed me about this whole Philippine thing, and I'm not sure because I haven't looked at any spoilers either, was the format this season. And uh, I, I I've been to the Philippines seven different times when I was in the Navy on aircraft carriers and stuff. And I and I know the layout. I've flown over islands like they're on right now. Um, and you know, so I've kind of been there, done that. And I was a little bummed that I didn't get the call. Um, they, you know, they know my, yeah. my background. It, it would have been an easy question. Hey, when you in the Navy, did you spend any time in the Philippines? Yes, I did. I spent, I spent probably about uh, 50 days in the Philippines over my uh, 10 years of active service and stuff. So, What's was another 39? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot more than 39, but uh, yeah, I was definitely having fun while I was there. Well, Terry, we'd like to thank you for answering your questions. We'd also uh, we'd like to invite you to play our little game if you're interested. Just a few more minutes. Is that okay? Sure. Let's go for it. Okay. So this game is called Imagine If, and basically each question will pose a scenario, and you have to answer it with the name of someone who you were on Survivor with, so one of your 15 other castaways. And they're not <laughs> me. That's something I can remember all my well, as many as you can remember. How about that? My wife was on the show longer than Tina was. Okay, so if everyone in your Survivor cast went to a movie, who would talk throughout the entire movie? Courtney. Courtney? Okay. If you guys were all on a singing show, who would win? Austin. Austin, really? Austin. Is he a good singer? He could he knew every backstreet every backstreet boys song there was. So not high quality music, but maybe 
No, he can sing. He can, he can sing. That's good. Um, if everyone on your Survivor cast were a TV channel, who would be public broadcasting? <laughs> Bruce. Bruce, okay. If everyone in your Survivor cast were in a classroom, who would be the nerdy A-plus student? Nick Stansberg. That one also surprises me. I David just graduated law school. He's a brainiac. Really? Okay. If you were all running for public office, who would win? Um, Nick. <laughs> um, if everyone in your cast were in the Tour de France, who would win? Okay, and the last question, if you were to film a scripted television show about Survivor, who would play Jeff Probst? Shane. <laughs> that would be a sight to see. Uh-huh. Well, you know what, you, you guys you guys don't know Shane like I do as, as well, you know. Uh, Shane, Shane can be a salesman, a businessman, he uh, is pretty in-depth. Uh, he's out there, he's very very sharp and very, very witty. Um, and he's edgy, you know, kind of like Probst. He's a little edgy uh, in, in, in the way he can approach and, and, and come back to people, or maybe in a different angle that you and I would probably normally come back at them. And, you know, and they, I don't know, what, what do you guys think about that? I mean, uh, obviously, Jeff's not doing you know, he's not doing so well in a lot of other things he's pursued. Um, I don't know. Uh, I saw Kobe Donaldson doing that Top Shot thing, and it was very much the survivor. And I was kind of wondering if they were grooming him to come back and take over for Jeff, because he and Jeff are friends anyway. Yeah. Right. So I was like, well, God, maybe if the talk show takes off, he'll try to get Kobe to come in and yeah. be, you know, halfway through the season. Or just have a be, you know, co-hosts or something for once. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. I personally agree with you. Well, first of all, I think Top Shot's a really good show in its own right. I mean, the the premise seems ridiculous for a television show, but if you've ever watched it, it's really creative and, and really cool. But Colby does well. And Colby does do a good job. Um, I agree with you. I think Probst, with his talk show, was trying to see if he could kind of reach out and uh, and kind of try something else because i remember reading around the time survivor samoa happened right after russell had his russell swan um had his kind of dehydration medical evacuation incident i remember reading somewhere that jeff probst was saying it was becoming hard that he would have to spend uh 39 days away or, or you know in an entire summer in some instances away from his family and now he that he's just recently been married I think he was trying to branch out and see if he can do something besides Survivor. Whether or not he will be successful, or whether or not he'll just leave even though he doesn't have something else, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Right, well, I mean, he's got enough production power in the show itself, uh, whether, I think, whether he's the, the host or not. Right. Uh, I, I think there's the most people that, regardless, people don't, put it this way, Jeff's a good host. He really is. I mean, he's, 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 a main part of the show. But, you know, you or I or anyone else is going to go on Survivor regardless who the host is. Right. Exactly. Do you, you know? think people will watch it regardless? 
Yeah, because it'll be produced in such a way that uh, maybe the host in the beginning, say, all right, just say, say Kobe Donaldson becomes the host. Um, he may or may not be as sharp as Jeff Probst, but you know what? You, you learn about how to do all that stuff, and, and, and after doing this show, uh, Kobe is probably up on step more so than other people, and now it's a matter of... Uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit more production-type show versus a, a lot of it being about him. You know, when you really consider it, you know, Jeff says the same damn thing at every challenge he always says. And, and he's saying a little more about, you know, uh, you know, play-by-play with the challenges. But you know what? You could bring somebody from ESPN that could do a better play-by-play on the challenges than Jeff. But it's, you know, it's what you talk about at Rival and the questions that are there. I mean, uh, I don't remember, I don't know if Jeff's got an ear in, but if you had somebody in the background that knows all about that, you know, Danielle's line, ask her about this, you know, and it's whispered in his ear, he'd come out with that question, you know, so unless he does it himself, he'd have somebody else helping him in the background to do all that stuff. So, you know, it, it's about, uh, it really is about the participants, um, even though Jeff does a really good job, and, and but um, I, I think the show would go on at least for a bunch more episodes uh, if yeah. somebody changed out. Mm-hmm. You know, if Bobby say became the host. Interesting. I think the fans are loyal enough for it uh, to survive, and I think a lot. Of, and the the casuals, as you know, some of us in the uh, big fan community call. I don't think they're there for Jeff either. So while we might not like it because it might be some sort of change, um, I think it's bound to happen eventually. Well, you know, and, and it, it can also be done in, in a certain way where you bring back um, celebrities versus favorites or something like that. Uh-huh. You bring a bunch of celebrities back, and if they end up winning the thing, you know, they, they win the money for charity or something like that. But, you know, you got to go out there and find, like, just, you know, stars versus, you know, or stripes or something like that for people that have really got the balls enough to go on Survivor and have them go against Shane, Armas, Russell, um, Danielle, or, you know, Parvati or, you know, those people. And, so, oh, you know, because a lot of these people are home, like Jeff Kent and Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Johnson going, you know what? I want to be on that show. I'm, it's all about the competition. You know, well, you know, the host is the host, but it's it's about you getting through food the food pounds. It's about you being dehydrated and sleep deprived and beating other people mentally and physically. I think that girl that hugged me the other day went out to see him. Dawson. Also hugged and kissed Well, Terry, we'd, we'd like to thank you very much for coming on the show. We've really enjoyed having you. Uh, really happy that we finally got a time that could work out. Before we let you go, is there anything that you need to plug or promote? Uh, <laughs> I, I own a company that uh, we make a hitting device for uh, girls softball and baseball, and it's called the Bungie Bat. And uh, it's at www.bungiebat.com. You can check out the website. Um, Crystal Bustos, the world's most famous female hitter, uses this, sells it, and supports it. So if you're a girl softball player and you want to be getting this device to help you hit like Crystal Bustos, uh, and if you guys Google it, you'll see your jacket sits on runs in the last Olympics. <laughs> she is the manager as a hitting for women's softball.
Interesting. Well, then, Bungie Bat, if you are a softball player. And again, Terry, we'd love to thank you for being on the show. It's been really great having you. And uh, any last words before we go? No, thanks a lot, guys. I mean, your interest in the show uh, is what keeps us going. And, uh, you know, maybe you'll get on someday and see what it's really like because it, it, it is definitely an adventure. Well, and there you have it. That was Terry Dietz. Yeah, he was really nice. Uh, Clayton and I really enjoyed talking to him. Got a lot of good information, a bit background. Uh, like, I never knew, for example, that he was asked to come back for fans versus favorites and made the standby list and was just called. And, uh, you know, it's, it's these little facts that you learn. It makes it a lot more fun. It would have been cool to see him on fans versus favorites, I gotta admit. Yeah, I was surprised that he wasn't on fans versus favorites. Especially, I mean, it was only four seasons after... Um, I think James took his place, if I had to guess the person. Yeah, because Survivor China happened right there. It was there. most recent, and I mean, the both of them have the type of the big physical dominator. So right. they they replaced the other physical dominator. Because to, to have Terry and um, James on the same tribe just wouldn't be fair to the, the fans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to Chet and... <laughs> Chet and Kathy. Yeah, I don't know about that. (laughs) That would not have been good. But, uh, oh, yeah, I think I really enjoyed watching him on Panama, and I was always rooting for him. I know there's... Terry is one of those people who's sort of classified as a hero, but he's one of the heroes that has the most people against him. Like, he's one of those polarizing characters and to me, he was always like the hero you're rooting for to take down Kasaya. But in talking with lots of other people, a lot of people are just did not like Terry. Yeah, a lot of people thought he was kind of cocky, but I, I also personally enjoyed him on, on the season and was rooting for him. Um, it was also, that was one of the seasons where I was still kind of returning to Survivor after my long hiatus. So yeah, it was, I enjoyed him on the show. I enjoyed him in the interview and He's really a nice guy. So all of you haters, he's a nice guy. Yeah, so thank you guys for listening so much. Be sure to uh, talk with us and connect with us on our Facebook page, David and Jeff Survivor Podcast. We always like to talk and hear from you guys. Anything, Any comments that you make, uh, we love to respond and continue the conversation with fans. Right, and also make sure you check out our website, survivorpodcast.blogspot.com it's where we post all of our um, all of our podcasts as well as uh, previous co-host Nicole Decker posts her weekly blog about Survivor and the newest episode we are also on iTunes if you prefer that way to, to get a hold of the podcast just search David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast awesome do you have anything else Jeff? no I don't think so I'm pretty good for this week all right, more guests in the works. Um, we will be having somewhere in the next couple of weeks the return of JML Justin, who we've had for I think three seasons now. Um, he's been on to always discuss with us his thoughts, and he's just very interesting because he takes his looking everything about the editing, and that's how he views every episode is through the storyline analysis of everything. And it's uh, always fascinating to hear his thoughts and how he thinks the storyline is going. So that will be in a, in a week or two, so stay tuned for that. Um, we're also helping to have more Survivor fans on the podcast and Survivors themselves that have been on, so stay tuned. So that is all we have, and we will see you next week. Goodbye.
Bye.